The holidays are here. The lights are strung, the halls are decked, and the nights are getting shorter. For baseball fans, it's another type of holiday. While the stove may be hot with hot cocoa for some, for others it is hot with signings and trades that are reshaping the landscape of Major League Baseball. With the off-season activity set to wind down now that the CBA has expired, another major part of the MLB offseason is about to ramp up. That's right, it's Hall of Fame voting season, and this year's ballot is an all-timer. With three big names in their final year on the ballot and two polarizing names in their first, there has never been a more controversial ballot. It is time to break it down and see who has the best chance of becoming immortal in 2022. All of that and more is coming on Season 2 of Big Hall Talk. Welcome to Big Hall Talk, everybody. It is my favorite time of year. Time to break down the Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, Votes are already coming in. And I'm already pissed off at a lot of them. Uh, I saw one ballot yesterday that had absolutely nobody on it, which is just so wrong to do to so many of these players. These players work so hard. They they have these incredible careers. And just to, you know, making the ballot in itself is such an accomplishment. And then to not vote for anybody is just so, it's just such a disgrace and an injustice to these players to do to them so I'm already mad about some of the ballots that we've been seeing and I'm already mad because I'm just assuming that two of the greatest baseball players of all time are not going to get into the Hall of Fame this year but it's time to break down the ballot and see where we stand um, heading into 2022 as I mentioned in the introduction the most controversial ballot of all time most likely you know the we have these three uh, very polarizing um final year got guys in their final year on the ballot and then two new guys on the ballot that are certainly um you know grounds for a lot of interesting conversation about how their cases and whether or not they should get in so let's just get right into it i mean there's no reason to waste any time here um of course you know let's start by looking at the three guys and and one more who doesn't really have a chance but is worth mentioning that are in their final year on the ballot there are four guys this year on the final year and the first one of course is barry bonds um the greatest baseball player of all time um later in the show i'll have our two bonds and Elias segment where i give three ridiculous barry bonds stats and you have to figure out which two are true and which one is a lie i mean you know i i've talked about it to 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 no end um on this podcast already and if you follow me on twitter you know my feelings on barry bonds he is the greatest baseball player of all time there is no reason um to keep him out of the hall of fame i understand that you know he has become the face of the steroid era in baseball when when people think of steroids they think of barry bonds because you know his body blew up and and he hit 73 home runs one year and it was kind of, it was obviously very suspicious but bonds without the steroids was already arguably the greatest player uh, in baseball history he was certainly already a hall of famer um you know three mvp awards it's just Will we really see the greatest player ever in the history of the sport actually not be in the Hall of Fame? It's such an interesting question that, you know, you have this museum and that's what it is, right? To tell the story of the game and you're going to try and tell the story of the game without the greatest player in its history. It's just really, it's it's hard to fathom, um, but the reality is, you know, we're 
one year away from that happening. And uh, in the initial phase of voting with a few ballot public ballots in already, he's already lost a vote. There was one voter that had voted for him last year and dropped him off the ballot this year. And I just can't comprehend that because it's like, well, you've gotten this far voting for bonds. What changed from last year to this year that made you stop voting for the greatest player of all time to be in the Hall of Fame, especially when it's his last year? I don't know, you know, what is going on there. So Bonds is already down a vote. Um, and, and, you know, he got 61.8% of the vote last year, um, in 2021. So he needs 13.2% more of the vote. I'm not exactly sure how many votes that is because I'm uncertain. We are all uncertain about how many ballots will actually be submitted and how many ballots are out there. Um, but Bonds needs that 13.2% to get into the Hall of Fame. Of course, the threshold is 75%, and it's going to be really difficult, um, and it just doesn't seem likely. So it, there's a very real scenario here that unless something drastic happens and unless people say that you know there's a unified thinking with a lot of these voters that he had to wait till year 10, you're going to see Barry Bonds not in the Hall of Fame. Um, and as crazy as that sounds, that that's the case. Um, moving on to the next guy, of course, you know, another one of possibly the greatest players of all time, arguably the greatest pitcher of all time, Roger Clemens, um, another, you know, very prominent name in the steroid era and, and all kinds of, uh, controversy swirling around him in terms of, um, you know, what happened with his steroids. And I don't actually think that either Bonds or Clemens were ever suspended or failed a test for steroids as some people in the hall of fame have such as Pudge rodriguez um but yet it seems like these guys are going to get held out and it's because they're the faces of it um you know the pitcher and the catch and the hitter that ended up becoming the faces of this so um uh, clemens actually had i believe one less vote than bonds last year he had 61.6 percent of the vote whereas bonds had 61.8 so he needs 13.4 more percent. You know, both of these will be really interesting. Uh, you know, there are ballots where Clemens is being voted for and Bonds is not being voted for. There are ballots where Bonds is being voted for and Clemens is not being voted for. The inconsistency in these ballots is what's so hard to fathom. It's what's so hard to understand. And it's what makes the whole process so confusing. So those are the two names that everybody is obviously focused on and they've been focused on them for years. But a third one that is really super interesting is Kurt Schilling. He was the guy that came closest last year. Uh, he had 71.1% of the vote. Of course, last year, nobody got in, um, which is just ridiculous that to say that there are no deserving candidates of the hall of fame on us and, and any particular, particular ballot is just crazy to me. So Schilling last year got in with 70 or, or did not get in, um, had 71.1% of the vote. You, you know, a lot of people know about his character issues. He's made some very, very disgusting comments um, about all kinds of subjects that I just personally find uh, uh, repulsive. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he is one of the great pitchers of all time. And on his baseball merit, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, but last year, after he did not get in, you know, he has this martyr type personality that, you know, he thinks he's a martyr. And he came out and said, don't vote for me. I don't want to be in. He asked the BBWAA to remove his name from the ballot. Um, it sounded a lot like something that the former president of the United States would do. Um, and he 
asked for the BBWA to take his name off the ballot. They did not do it. Some voters are already complying with his request to not vote for him. After what he did last year, I might do the same if I had a vote. Um, but it seems like a foregone conclusion that he's not going to make it either. And, you know, you're looking at yet another year. This would be two years in a row that um, there would be no Hall of Famers getting in on the 2022 Hall of Fame ballot except for from the other committees. Now, there is one last for uh, a guy who is on his last year on the ballot. Um, this, Unfortunately, he does not have really any chance um, of getting in on the ballot. And that is Sammy Sosa. Um, of course, a popular name amongst, you know, within the steroid era, him and Mark McGuire had that epic 1998 home run battle where McGuire hit 70 and Sosa hit 66. Um, you know, that is a case for a lot of people that he should be in because that was one of the defining moments of baseball in the 1990s. Um, you know, he's a very good player, Sammy Sosa, but he's not as great of a hitter as you might think. He had some very, very good years. Um, but not exactly the most consistent career and the longest career in terms of how great he was. And that leads a lot of people to believe that it was kind of, you know, Sammy Sosa was a great hitter, but the steroids really helped him. Um, he had an 878 career OPS, 124 weighted runs created plus, of course, the 609 home runs. So he did make the 600 home run club. Um, this is using baseball reference war. Usually I like to use fan graphs war, but baseball reference has the seven year peak war, um, which I like to use. So he had 58.6 career war. 43.8 of that came, you know, is from his seven year peak for an average right fielder in the Hall of Fame. The war is 72.1, and he is above average in seven-year peak war because that average is 42.5. So Sosa, a seven-time All-Star, he won the MVP in 1998. He's a six-time Silver Slugger, really no doubt a tremendous player. But in his final year on the ballot, he's coming in with 17%. That would be an unprecedented jump to get in at 75, you know, get 75% of the vote coming in the year before with 17% of the vote. It's not going to happen for Sosa, unfortunately. Um, you know, I would probably vote for him. I would have to, I haven't exactly outlined who I would vote for, who I would take off from the ballot last year to add some of the new guys. So I'm not sure that Sosa, he made my ballot last year. Of course, this is if I had one, I should preface, I do not have a ballot, but if I had one, Sosa would have made mine last year. I'm not sure he would have made mine this year. But he's a great player, and uh, Swingin' Sammy, it does not look good for him at all. It does not seem like he will be in the Hall of Fame unless something completely unexpected happens. Um, let's move on now to the new guys that are on the ballot. We'll break down some of them more because the ballot is weaker as you get down it. But let's just take a look at the two new guys that everybody is going to be talking about on this ballot. The first one is Alex Rodriguez, who, again, yet another face of the steroid era. Uh, you know, A-Rod obviously got the suspension in 2014 for steroids, famously lied, then admitted to taking steroids and saying that he cheated. Um, he, he, you know, he did cheat, obviously, he used them, um, but he admitted to that eventually. But he was a great player, and, you know, a lot of people think that when, you know, the Yankees had Jeter, who, of course, is in the Hall of Fame now, and A-Rod, 
that A-Rod was the best shortstop on the roster, but he played third base, um, and he was very good at it. Uh, 141 way to run straight plus in his career, 930 OPS. He accumulated 113.7 fan graphs war in his career. He came, he fell four homers short of the 700 home run club. He's at 696. 14 time All Star. He's got three MVPs under his belt, two gold gloves, 10 silver sluggers. He won the Hank Aaron Award for the best offensive player four times. Um, you know, a lot of people thought that if his career continued, he could have hit 800 home runs. He could have been the home run king. He was slowed down a bit by the suspension in 2014 and then some injuries toward the end of his career. You know, he was suspended for the entire 2014 season because of the biogenesis scandal. Um, I don't think he's going to get in. I I don't think that, you know, the Hall of Fame, they never they didn't like A-Rod before the steroids. They don't like A-Rod after the steroids. They still don't like A-Rod. I don't think he's going to get in. I think a lot of people will say, A-Rod's not going into my Hall of Fame. Um, and, and they're going to be gatekeepers about, you know, Alex Rodriguez. So I, I don't see him getting in um, anytime soon, definitely. Now, the other name uh, that is popular on the first-year ballot is Big Poppy, David Ortiz, longtime rival of Alex Rodriguez in that Yankee-Red Sox rivalry. Uh, interestingly enough, I found this really interesting when I was doing research on both of these guys that they're basically the same hitter. You know, A-Rod, I just mentioned 930 OPS, 141 weighted runs created plus. Well, Poppy had a 931 OPS and 140 weighted runs created plus. He hit 541 home runs. I think he played less years than A-Rod, but he also had, you know, over 150 less home runs than A-Rod did. Of course, his issue is that he was a lifetime DH, so he only collected 51 war in his career. Um, you know, that's not a lot of war for a guy like Big Poppy, who people think of as one of the greatest hitters of the generation. That's obviously because he was a designated hitter for most of his career. Um, but what should help his chances of getting in as a DH is the fact that Edgar Martinez recently got in a few years ago on his final year on the ballot. Um, now here we go again. This is why he's so polarizing. Of course, he's big poppy. He's beloved, uh, you know, some great playoff moments. One of the faces of the Red Sox for years, uh, you know, has that famous speech after the Boston marathon where he says, this is our fucking city. You know what I mean? He is the guy he's Boston. He is everything. Um, but he was included in a 2009 steroid report. The details are very cloud cloudy about his steroid usage, what the actual accusations are. But he was included. So there are PED ties to David Ortiz. Um, most people wouldn't know that. Most people wouldn't think that because he's big poppy and he's so lovable and everything. So has he the question with poppy here is. Has he accumulated enough goodwill to overcome steroid allegations? It's very possible. I would certainly vote for Big Poppy, and I would certainly vote for A-Rod. They're two of the greatest players of their generation, two of the greatest hitters of all time. They belong in the Hall of Fame. They're two wonderful, wonderful players. I think Poppy has a much better chance than, uh, uh, than of getting in than A-Rod does. I don't think A-Rod stands a chance, especially if Bonds and Clemens don't get in You know, this year. There's no way A-Rod is even coming close, probably, because somehow they hate A-Rod more than they hate Bonds, which is crazy to say. But, um, you know, uh, 
I, I don't think A-Rod stands a chance, but I think Poppy has a chance for sure. I'm not sure he's going to get in on his first ballot. It'll be really interesting to see his percentage, where he comes in at, because that'll set up his timeline in terms of how long it's going to take this guy to get in, because I, I, I think eventually... You know, he's so beloved. He's Big Poppy. I mean, you know, everybody knows Big Poppy. Everybody loves Big Poppy. So I think that he'll get in eventually. But seeing how much of a percentage he gets this year, or if he gets in this year as a first ballot Hall of Famer, which, it, you know, with the DH thing, you never really know if he would have gotten in anyway on the first ballot, but you would think so because, again, you know, the name is so recognizable. Um, but it's it, it remains unclear what will happen with Big Poppy, but it'll be interesting to see where his percentage comes in. So those are the five guys that, you know, four, f five or six guys that everybody's really keeping an eye on this year. Um, but what about the guys down the ballot? Uh, these are the guys that I'm more interested in because these are some of the guys that I care about them getting in a lot. Um, Scott Rowland's a really great player. Um, you know, I would, I would love to do an episode on Scott Rowland and just kind of break down his career because I think that a lot of people don't realize just how great of a player he is, but he is certainly a deserving Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, I think he's won like eight gold gloves or something over at third base, a great, great hitter, um, just really a tremendous player and absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Last year, he was the fourth highest vote getter behind uh, Schilling, Bonds, and Clemens. He got 52.9% of the vote last year, and he actually got a 17.6% boost from the year before. So people are adding Scott Rowland like crazy. He's on a really good pace. Um, another, If he gets another big boost like he got last year, you know, maybe not that 17%, which would get him up to 69%, which is very nice. Um, but, you know, if, if he gets up around there, if he gets up into the 65s, you know, you're looking at a one to two year timeline for Scott Rowling getting in. Uh, I, I think he could possibly get in next year. He could probably get in the year after that. This is his fifth year on the ballot. So he's got plenty of time. Scott Rowland is going to be a Hall of Famer. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I feel pretty confident in saying that because He's only going to get more votes as time goes on. So we'll see how he does on the ballot this year. He's looking for a big year. You know, a big year could really set him up to get in next year or the year after that. Another guy in the same boat that could be set up to get in this year or next or, or, or sorry, next year or the year after or in the next few years is T.H. Todd Helton, legendary Rockies first baseman. Um, one thing that should definitely help him, you know, we mentioned Edgar Martinez should help David Ortiz. Larry Walker getting in should help Todd Helton. Now that somebody that's a Rocky that played a lot of their career, obviously Larry had more of his career outside of Coors Field, um, but Helton played his entire career in Coors Field. His splits are a little more drastic than Larry, but the fact that Larry got in kind of broke that glass ceiling of letting guys have played at Coors Field in, which is just ridiculous. Um, Todd Helton is a great player, um, a great fielder, a great hitter. He absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, I would have him on my ballot this year. Uh, on a really good place, pace. He got 45, nearly 45% of the vote last year. He had about a 16% jump um, you know, from the year before to last year. So he's on a really good pace the same way that Roland is. So I could see him getting in in the next few seasons. Um, but, you know, again, you know, if he slows down, all of a sudden he could be in some trouble. But if he has an okay year, then it kind of pushes the timeline back a little bit. But I could see, you know, Todd Helton, uh, based on his jump last year and the jumps he had the year, few years before, he could be in in the next two to three seasons. How about Billy Wagner? That Sorry, I forgot to mention that Todd Helton, this is his fourth year on the ballot. So he's got plenty of time. I think eventually he ends up in 
depending on how much his pace slows down, we'll see when. Um, but again, on current pace, he would get in in the next few years. How about Billy Wagner? Uh, one of the great relievers of all time. What do you do with relievers in the Hall of Fame? You know, they only pitch an inning or two uh, every couple nights. How do you evaluate them? War isn't really a great way to evaluate them because they don't pitch a lot of innings. But Billy Wagner, you know, you can you put the top 15 relievers of all time, let's say? There's plenty of relievers in the Hall of Fame because relievers used to be valued so highly. These guys were winning Cy Youngs back in the day. But where, where do you kind of put relievers now? How does the new age of writers kind of look at relievers? Wagner had a really good la- year last year. You know, he, had, he got a 15% jump last year. He had 46.4% in the vote. This is his seventh year on the ballot. If he gets a big year, he's really setting himself up to get in. If he doesn't have a big year, all of a sudden he could be in a little trouble with three more ballots remaining after this one. Um, and you know, an interesting fact: he's averaging nine percent increase, a nine percent increase per year. Um, if he on that current pace, it would take him three years. So he could, he he would get in at that current pace, but he's really cutting it close. All three of these guys, I think, are going to get in. But again, this year will tell us a lot about when, and if uh, with. Billy Wagner, for sure, it'll tell us if he has, you know, how good his chances are to get in. Because another big boost, and you say, yes, definitely, that's going to happen. If he slows down a little bit, all of a sudden it's getting testy, and and you might not see Billy Wagner in the Hall of Fame. Deserving, lower down for me because he is a reliever. I would He's one of the guys that I voted for last year that, you know, might get knocked off to um, put A-Rod and Poppy on the ballot. Would have to take a look at it. But I think that Billy Wagner is certainly deserving of a vote. Um, and, and down the line, you know, depending on the ballot, he could be off and on. How about Andrew Jones? This is the guy, you know, I campaigned for Larry Walker for so long. This is probably the guy that would be next on that campaign list of guys that are so disrespected when it comes to the Hall of Fame that I absolutely 100% believe should be in the Hall of Fame. Arguably the greatest defender of all time, certainly the greatest defender since Willie Mays, um, but also hit 450 home runs. So he was a very good hitter. You know, he didn't hit for a high average, which to a lot of Hall of Fame voters is, you know, basically a, a, a huge knock and possibly, you know, a reason to keep them, him out. Um, so, you know, his case is kind of tough. I, I have the Andrew Jones episode actually outlined to a certain extent, which I would love to do the Andrew Jones episode as well. Um, he got a big jump last year, and he's had a couple big, two big jumps in a row. He got about a 14.5% jump last year on his ballot, up to 33.9% of the vote. This is his fifth year on the ballot. It might take him a while. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he, the public section of voters, which is the younger, usually the younger voters, the voters that I align with more. He was on more than half of the public vote. It's the private vote where Andrew was kind of in trouble. But since he got a big jump, he's averaging 13.2% of the, you know, a 13.2% increase year over year. Um, this year will be really interesting for his case because 34% doesn't look very pretty, but it is his fifth year on the ballot. So he's got plenty of time Needs some big jumps to get started. I think some momentum is starting to build for Andrew Jones, one of the great play, you know, one of the great players. Obviously, a centerpiece of that Braves, you know, those '90 Braves teams, along with '90s Braves team, along with um, 
Chipper Jones had some good years on the Yankees as well, but you know, injuries kind of derailed his career at the end. So kind of a short peak, really interesting case, really interesting player absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think a lot of people will tell you that. How about Gary Sheffield? This is a guy, I have an episode out on Gary Sheffield that I did last year, um, you know, when I was putting episodes out. This is a big year for Gary Sheffield. His eighth year on the ballot, and he has 40%, 40.6% of the vote. He's gotten really big jumps the last few years, which is what you're looking for as you get into the ballot. You know, as you get into the, your later years, you need some boosts, right? So Larry Walker got some huge jumps at the end where all of a sudden a lot of people were putting Larry on their ballot. Gary kind of needs similar momentum. He can sneak in at the end here. This is kind of around where where Larry was 40% in his eighth year on the ballot. Um, he needs a big year this year if he's going to get in. And this could be the Marlins best chance to get a Hall of Famer until Giancarlo Stanton. And, you know, if he hits 500 home runs, I think he would be a really good candidate to get in. So the Marlins, I think the Marlins are looking at Gary Sheffield. You know, Marlins fans specifically um, are looking at Gary Sheffield and they're saying, please let this guy in because it could be 10, 15 years before, you know, the Marlins have another chance to get uh, a Hall of Famer in, which they don't have one yet. So Gary is a guy, you know, I, I did the Gary episode and obviously I said he absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, and so, yeah, he, he, he needs, he needs a big year this year to set him up to get in. He, it would probably take him another two, two, three years to get in. Um, and, and it might come down to that final ballot for Gary Sheffield, a very, very deserving, um, player, but would be the worst defender in the hall of fame, arguably even worse than Frank Thomas. Interestingly enough, if you go off defensive rating on fan by, it, it would be by a good margin too. Let's talk about the last two guys, but that really need, um, big years before we get into some guys that are in trouble. Uh, these two guys are newer guys on the ballot, um, still have a long ways to go, but they could really start to, they, they could use some momentum. Um, Bobby Abreu, this will be his third year on the ballot. He survived his first year on the ballot by the skin of his teeth, and he got a 3.2% increase um, you know, on the ballot. Uh, last year. Daniel Alvarez from Electra Base will join us uh, uh, next week on the show. And I know he's going to campaign for Bobby Abreu, one of the great Venezuelan baseball players of all time. He loves Bobby Abreu. He abs in uh, Bobby Abreu has a very interesting case. For me, it's kind of borderline. Daniel will tell you certainly he was not on my ballot last year. I think maybe on a weaker ballot, I would probably vote for Bobby Abreu. Um, he, he needs some momentum, so this is a big year for him because it's it's only his third year. But, you know, if he keeps hanging around under 10%, under 15%, you know, things could get, things will start to get a little bleak for him. Um, and then Mark Burley, this is a guy who I'm not really sold on his Hall of Fame case, but he had a good first year and a lot of people really like Mark Burley as a Hall of Fame candidate. Um, again, I'm not super sold on his case, but he got off to a great start. If he has another good year this year, if he can build on that 11% of the vote that he got in his first year, then he's really setting himself up for success and he's really setting himself up uh, to get in. In you know, who knows when you would have to look at the pacing after a couple of years to really determine, you know, what range he should, what range of his 10 years would it, it be in for him to get in. But, 
you know, it, it'll take some time for him at just 11% of the ba- at just 11% of the vote last year. Um, this is his second year on the ballot and a big second year will set him up to get in for sure. And, and it'll give him a good chance. All right. So we talked about some guys that, um, have good chances that need big years that should get in. Uh, a lot of these guys that I mentioned have really good chances to get in. Um, you know, the two guys at the end I mentioned there, Mark Burley and Bobby Abreu, I'm not sure they have great chances to get in actually, uh, but they, you know, they, they need big years, right? And, and big years could do them a lot of good. These are some guys that are in a lot of trouble uh, that I'm looking at that probably are very unlikely to get in. And, and, and there's four of them I'm going to mention here. The first one is Omar Vizquel. Um, he is the only player that lost votes on the ballot last year. He dropped three and a half percent to 49.1% of the vote last year. So he used to be over, he used to be getting the majority of votes. Now he's not. And he had some very disturbing details about a domestic, about domestic violence allegations come out um, between last year's vote and this year's vote. The allegations had come out before last year's vote, but details came out since then that are really concerning that I think are really going to hurt his chances and could severely impact him. Omar Vizquel was a guy that was beloved by the writers, um, you know, glove first guy. Obviously, I have argued against Omar getting in because I just don't think he was a good enough hitter to really get into the Hall of Fame. Um, but I think his chances are going to be hurt more by the off the field stuff than by the on the field stuff. Um, with younger voter bases coming in, the younger voter base doesn't love Omar Vizquel's case because of things I mentioned. Not a great hitter, not a lot of home runs and stuff, but um, not a ton of power at all. Just not a very good hitter. 688 OPS in his career. Um, but so the momentum has been working against Vizquel recently. And I think it'll only continue to work against him with these allegations coming out. They're extremely concerning. And um, we've seen how voters treat character issues. They take them very seriously, um, as they should. And there is a character clause when it comes to qualifications for the Hall of Fame. And so I think that Vizquel um, is really in, he, he's in a lot of trouble. And I, I you know, and I don't think he's going to get into the Hall of Fame now because he's really hurt his chances with the details that have come out. It'll be interesting to see if he has a bounce back year or if the momentum continues to work against him and and writers stop voting for him because of this. Um, so Omar Vizquel, first guy in a lot of trouble. I don't, I, I didn't write down, I'm, I'm pretty dumb, and I didn't write down what year on the ballot this is for Omar. Um, but he, I, I think it might be his fifth or sixth year. I'm pulling it up now. Um, sorry, I'm doing this on the fly, but it is his, this will be his fifth year on the ballot. So he's halfway there. Um, but I, I'm halfway there and momentum is working against him. It doesn't look promising for Omar Vizquel. Jeff Kent. This is a guy whose case I really love. Very similar player to Scott Rowland, just not as good defensively, but their offensive profiles are like almost exactly the same. I think they have the exact same OPS but he's only got 32.4% of the vote um, in his eighth year on the ballot. He would need to average a 21.3% jump in his last two seasons in order to be on pace to make it. That would be similar to what Larry Walker did. Um, 
So, you know, I man, this it would be really, really tough for Jeff Kent to get in right now. If he's not over, uh, this is his eighth year on the ballot, so he's got three more chances. If he's not over 50% by the end of next year, he, he's he's done for it. And he only jumped up 5% um, from, you, you know, on last year's ballot. He only added 5% of the vote. So it does not look promising for Jeff Kent. Three chances left. If he gets a big jump this year, all of a sudden, okay, maybe you're looking at a chance to get in. But I, I, I don't think Jeff Kent is going to get in. It, it does not look good for him. Andy Pettit. Not a case I love. Not not a, a pitcher case I love. No Cy Young awards. Of course, Kurt Schilling doesn't have any Cy Young awards. But he's got a lot more working for him than Andy Pettit does. 13.7% of the vote in his third year on the ballot. This will be his fourth year on the ballot. Only like 2% jumps in in each year that he's been on the ballot. He needs to start getting some momentum. He needs to start getting a lot of added votes or it's not going to happen for Andy Pettit. Same thing with uh, Manny Ramirez. You know, Manny being Manny, but Manny tested positive twice for PEDs. And for me personally, that's a disqualifier. Um, I had him on the ballot last year. Um, but I would take him off my ballot this year. Uh, to He would be one of the guys that I would drop to add Alex Rodriguez or David Ortiz. Um, he got 28.2% in the vote last year. He had no increase. I believe he was the only guy that did not increase year over year. He did not pick up. He netted zero votes on last year's ballot. Um, he's been stuck on that number for a few years. This is his sixth year on the ballot. Does not look promising for Manny. Again, he could have a big year and all of a sudden, you know, maybe it looks a little more promising, but I really think those two positive tests are a nail in the coffin for him, as it'll be for Robinson Cano when when he comes on the ballot. And he had a really good case. Manny's is better than his, which is why I had Manny on my ballot last year. Um, but it, it, it's really tough to vote for a guy that got caught for it twice. All right, let's take a look at the rest of the first year ballots um, to wrap up the ballot as a whole. Um, you, you know, there are only a few names really worth mentioning here. Jimmy Rollins, uh, he had a 743 OPS, 995 Whittier Runs Created Plus, only 49.5 war, three-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove. He does have an MVP from 2007 under his belt. He's a World Series champion. This is a guy that feels like he's a Hall of Very Good player, and he's kind of just below that threshold. I think I set the line in the past at Torrey Hunter. He's a guy that I haven't mentioned. He did survive the ballot last year, um, but doesn't really have that much of a chance. I think I set the line at Torrey Hunter as the line I draw between the Hall of Fame and Hall of Very Good, and Jimmy Rollins is kind of below that. So I I would not have Jimmy Rollins on my ballot. How about Mark Teixeira? This might be the guy with the best case of these first-year guys besides A-Rod and Poppy. Uh, he had an 869 OPS, 127 weighted runs, created plus, 400, 409 home runs, but only 45 and 45 war, 44.8 to be exact. Three-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glove. So really good, you know, in the field and at the plate. Three-time Silver Slugger. He got the 2009 World Series championship with uh, the 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 Yankees over Jimmy Rollins' Phillies. So Rollins got his, and then Teixeira got his next year. This feels like another Hall of Very Good player. Um, again, Mark Teixeira, great player, great defender, great hitter, but just not. Not, not good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. These are two guys I want to mention 
um, because they're guys that really could have had a great shot, but they had outside factors that kind of derailed their careers. Um, and, and they're on the ballot. They deserve to be on the ballot, but they're not Hall of Fame worthy. The first is Tim Lincecum, who's, you know, big time Timmy Jim. This is a guy, the freaky franchise. This is a guy I love, um, you know, three-time World Series champion with the San Francisco Giants, you know, growing up loving those teams, uh, loved, loved Tim Lincecum, loved him and uh, a really great pitcher. You know, he had those four years where he was on top of the baseball world, basically four-time All-Star, two-time Cy Young. He wins three world championships, but he didn't, people forget that he didn't really contribute to the second two, more so in 2012 than 2014. Uh, 2010 was obviously, you know, Cy Young, World Series hero that year, uh, you know, really kind of led the Giants on that run. But it, it fell off for him because of injuries, you know, velo decreased, and it just didn't last that long for Tim Lincecum. Had four great years, and then you look at the rest of his years, and they're not very good. So had he stayed healthy for longer, had he stayed on that pace for 10, 15 years, he would certainly be a Hall of Famer. Those four years are a pretty good Hall of Fame pace, but it just didn't last enough for Tim Lincecum, sadly. Injuries were kind of the nail in the coffin for him. Not going to be a Hall of Famer. Second guy I want to mention in that category is Ryan Howard. He had six great years, but he just never accumulated enough war. He wasn't a great defender over at first base. And what really derailed him, you know, with injuries, you talk about injuries with Tim Lincecum, the shift is what destroyed Ryan Howard's career. Uh, you know, he, he was one of these guys that... Like, like Chris Davis, that just could not work around the fact that teams started shifting him and his numbers just dropped off mightily. Both of these guys, you know, he, he's basically like the hitter version of Lincecum where they had these great peaks, but their peaks didn't last long enough and the rest of their bodies of work are not very good. Uh, so these are guys that are not going to make it. They would have made it had these outside factors not contributed to their careers, but it's the reality of the situation. You know, I think both of these guys didn't even accumulate over 30 war. I don't have their wars listed here, um, but just not enough body of work, not enough longevity for either of these guys to get in. I think both of them probably will survive the first ballot. Maybe it'll they'll probably be cutting it close. Um, you know, these a lot of these first year guys don't get any votes. Um, I, I, I think that there's vote getters on this ballot. There's not a lot of guys like last year's ballot had a lot of guys that you just kind of throw out the window and you say, these guys aren't going to get any votes. Um, this year's a little different. There are some guys worthy of vote getter of being vote getters. Ryan Howard is certainly one of them. I think a lot of people will say, ah, oh, these, you know, these guys were great, but I, th I, I, neither of them are, are going to make the hall of fame and, and, it, it's it's unfortunate they were two players that I loved growing up so anyway uh moving on two more players that are worth mentioning in terms of their cases um and it's a pair of relievers two of the great relievers of all time Joe Nathan and Jonathan Papelbon Joe Nathan was eighth all time in is eight is eighth all time in saves Craig Kimbrell is I'm, I'm not sure how far behind but he's ninth he sandwiches these two guys the other one is Jonathan Papelbon you know, legendary Red Sox closer, closed out a couple World Series for them. The incident with Bryce Harper that he became famous for when he was uh, on the Nationals. Um, he is 10th all-time in saves is something I didn't realize. I was actually at the Cubs-Marlins game uh, over the summer where Craig Kimball got into ninth. Um, 
past Jonathan Jonathan Papelbon for ninth on that list. So 10th all-time in saves. I, you know, both of these guys are kind of like Billy Wagner, right? It's like, how much do you value relievers? Neither of them were as great as Billy Wagner. Um, but, you know, depending on how much you value relievers, and, and there's got to be a place for them somewhere in the Hall of Fame, these are guys that, you know, if you really value relievers, I think we'll get a lot of votes. So I think both of these guys will... Um, I think both of these guys will survive the first ballot, and I think both of them will hang around on the ballot for a little while. They're already picking up votes I've seen. Joe Nathan probably has a better chance than Pavelbon does, but I think these are guys that are going to hang around on the ballot for a while. Worth mentioning the rest of the ballot just because, um, you know, I heard Joel Sherman uh, I, I, uh, talking about this, and he, he, he brought up a great point, which is, you know, we make fun of some of these first year guys because you're like, how is that guy on the on the Hall of Fame ballot, whatever? And, and, and you know, and then they don't get any votes and they fall off. And it's easy to be like, haha, you know, you fell off the first first year on the ballot. But there are some really great players um, on the first year of the ballot. And the fact that you even made the ballot is an accomplishment. And I heard Joel Sherman say that, and I just couldn't agree more with him making the ballot, being on it is is an accomplishment of in it of itself. You are recognized as one of the you know, top 15, top 10% of players of all time in Major League Baseball. So I, I think it's worth recognizing all of the guys that are on the ballot. These are guys that are probably non-vote getting uh, candidates, but are some of the great, you know, these guys were all great when I was growing up, certainly. And, and now it's worth taking a look, you know, seeing these names on the ballot makes me happy, gives me some nostalgia, throw back to MVP baseball, throw back to my childhood. Um, you know, Jake Peavy, World Series champion with the Giants, great pitcher with the Padres. Carl Crawford, one of the great athletes that Major League Baseball has ever seen. Multi-sport, you know, uh, uh, hero at, at UCLA. You know, he was a great um, athlete, you know, in, in plenty of sports. Um, so Carl Crawford is on the ballot this year. Great with the Rays, great with the Red Sox as well. Justin Morneau. Uh, great Twins first baseman. I think he's got an MVP award thrown around in there somewhere. Legendary home run derby against Josh Hamilton, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, Morneau, you know, not not going to get in, but Hall of Very Good for sure. How about Prince Fielder? This is just a lovable character. Um, injuries, you know, he had a, a career-ending injury. If he stays healthy for longer, you know, maybe he's a 500 home run guy and maybe he gets in just didn't really happen for Prince Fielder. You know, he might be a vote getter. Maybe I should put him in the category with like Howard and, you know, maybe he's better than Howard or Lincecum, but, you know, I'm not sure with Prince Fielder. And then AJ Persinski, one of the great catchers, you know, when I was growing up in the league, um, you know, maybe not one of the great catchers of all time, but certainly one of the better catchers of his generation. Um, and, and, you know, maybe not top five of that generation, but very good player, uh, you know, heart of the Red Sox for a long time. So Persinski in there, um, or not heart of the heart of the Red Sox. Sorry, I'm thinking of Jason Veritek, heart of the White Sox uh, for a long time. Really good player, World Series champion with them. So that is the ballot. Uh, I, I think there's a couple guys I missed on there that I left off from last year. You know, first guys that made the first that were first years on the ballot last year. Um, Tory Hunter and Tim Hudson are the other two guys last year that I mentioned um, or, or that I did not mention here, Torrey Hunter and Tim Hudson. They both survived the ballot. Uh, Tim Hudson got 5.2% of the vote. You need 5% to survive. And then Torrey Hunter uh, got 9.5% of the vote. 
you know, we'll see how they do, but these are, you know, I don't think they're Hall of Fame players, and certainly their first year, first year suggests that, you know, they might have trouble staying on the ballot this year. Um, but Torrey Hunter, again, is that kind of line I draw between the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Very Good, worth mentioning. All right, so that is the ballot. That is the full ballot that you're looking at here. Can't wait to see these votes come out. Um, you know, follow if you're interested in this t stuff. Ryan Thibodeau is a very interesting follow. He releases all the ballots as they're released in real time. Um, the public ballots. He kind of he he has a tracker for this stuff, so you can see the progress that these guys are making in real time. Um, definitely recommend giving. I, I believe it. His his at is not Mr. Tibbs. Um, let me look this up right now. Doing this on the fly. Great, not great radio here. Yes, this is at not Mr. Tibbs on Twitter. Absolutely worth worth a follow. Uh, he does the Baseball Hall of Fame tracker. And if you want to keep up with that on Twitter, it's always an interesting thing to do. All right, let's do this now. Let's move on to the final portion of our show. This is something that I like to do. I like to do on every show just to show you how great Barry Bonds is and how ridiculous it would be for Barry Bonds to not be in the Hall of Fame um, if it happens this year. Two Bonds and a lie. I'm going to give you three Barry Bonds stats. One of them is not true. Two of them are true. You have to figure out which one is not true. All right, here is your first Barry Bonds stat. Barry Bonds hit 30-plus home runs in his first 12 seasons in San Francisco. Eight of those times, he hit 40-plus. Is that true? Is that false? Find out next week when I reveal. Uh, this This is what we're going to do. We're going to reveal the truth, and then next week, um, we'll give you three more. All right, the second one. Bonds owns five of the top 11 single-season on-base percentages of all time. Does Barry Bonds have five of the 11 best OBPs in single-season history ever? That is for you to find out. And the third one, Bonds has more than twice the amount of war as Roberto Clemente. So one of the great players, one of the great humans of all time in Major League Baseball. Does Bonds have twice as much, more than twice, the amount of war that Roberto Clemente does? Find out next week. I'm very excited about next week. Next week's episode. We're gonna bring on Daniel Alvarez of L. Daniel Alvarez Montez of El Extra Baste, one of my really good friends on the Marlins beat, a very good friend of mine, F1 expert. We'll talk some Formula One with him. We'll also talk about if he had a ballot, which he will. In 10 years, because he became an official member of the BBWAA last year, so he's either got 9 or 10 years left before he gets a Hall of Fame vote. He will have a Hall of Fame vote one day, and he will join us to talk about what his Hall of Fame ballot would look like this year. Uh, we're going to do that with some friends of mine. We're going to hopefully do that with some actual voters, and then we'll probably investigate some cases as well. It's going to be a busy Hall of Fame season as we try and make this lockout move faster together. I'm Ethan Madowski. Can't wait to talk to you next week on Big Hall 